Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gorn. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Coronavirus updates. Indoor dining stopped in California. News from the UK. And alcohol sales banned again in South Africa. The US agrees not to impose 100% tariffs on French wine. Another celebrity wine, this time Cameron Diaz. New wines from Bollinger and Torres. Man arrested in the UK for drinking carrot juice. And as ever, our wine of the week. We decided to take a little summer break last week, so we've got two weeks to catch up on here. And for us, for our week in wine, uh, I guess the big thing in my life was Batinage Forum wrapped up, the Women in Wine uh, webinar series that's been going on for the past four weeks. So it was uh, a relief, but then it was bittersweet uh, to end and wrap up that Great conference. We had some spectacular speakers, and overall, the virtual event turned out to be very successful. So it will be interesting to see how uh, we roll out the event next year. I do hope that we're able to do an in-person event, but I expect that it will have a virtual component as well as we're able to bring in voices from all around the world. Indeed, I thought it was very successful, and having people come in from Europe and elsewhere was um, really exciting. So it really uh, broadened the um the reach of the event and i think there's some really really good discussions not being a woman i still found a lot of the discussions very interesting because it's about making your way in the wine industry and the wine business and thinking about finance and setting your own business there's lots of discussions from lots of different angles so very successful i thought yes lots of great takeaways so hopefully we will continue that uh, and maybe even attract more males in our audience in the future what the world needs more males <laughs> listening to women yes that's true um as for me i actually taught in person for the first time last sunday which was a bit nerve-wracking um, because i haven't been in that kind of environment for about four months in fact my voice was a little hoarse at the end of the day because i hadn't spoken that much in months well you had to speak through the mask as well right exactly so we all wore masks throughout the day except when we were wine tastings it's a bit strange that we could take them off when we were tasting but i guess we had to and spitting yeah, and spitting, but the windows were open and it was a very well-circulated room. So after a, being a bit nervous at the start, actually we were all quite comfortable with each other and we maintained our social distance and it's good to be teaching in, in person. For this um, particular group, all their classes had previously been on Zoom, so this was the first time that, that they were studying in person, so I think it was nice for them to get that uh, personal approach where they could just ask questions directly and um, they would be taking their exam at the beginning of August. And that was a grape experience course, correct, at uh, San Francisco Wine School? That's correct. Uh, San Francisco Wine School are taking a lot of precautions. They want to be open, but they also want to be very safe. And yes, it's grape experience, the Duicity Level 3. And uh, we finished the day by tasting sherry and port, so I was quite happy. Nothing like a bit of fino to keep corona away. And now on with the news. coronavirus updates for you. As economies have reopened in the last few weeks, incidences of positive COVID-19 tests have increased with significant spikes, particularly in the U.S. Even Donald Trump has been wearing a mask. Here in California, a statewide ban on gyms, indoor dining, and bars was ordered, although bars that can serve food and have outdoor seating remain open. Hong Kong has also tightened its restrictions with evening dining prohibited. 
Yes, I was talking to the manager of our favourite bar, Ernie's, which is not yet open, and I asked her what the logic was that if a bar serves food, it can stay open. If it doesn't serve food, it can't stay open. And she said, there is no logic. Let's look at the UK. Uh, the impact of coronavirus can be seen in, in the news that bar and restaurant sales are down 40% on this time last year. This is in part due to the fact that only 17% of restaurants reopened on the weekend of 4th and, and 5th of July, um, as was permitted, compared to 70% of pubs. In fact, the decline in sales compares favourably to other countries, such as the US. The cautious approach of many restaurants is seeing them reopen gradually, and the industry is hopeful that sales will grow when, or if, things get back to more normal. The food industry has also been helped by the Chancellor's decision to cut VAT for food in pubs and restaurants to 5% from the regular 20%, although this doesn't help establishments whose business is based on sales of alcohol rather than food. So it's that, again, that drink-food divide. Yes, however, restaurants in the UK have not been helped by the number of no-shows since reopening. Tom Carriage, who owns and runs a two-Michelin-star pub, complained that 27 reservations did not turn up on Saturday, July 11th. He wrote that you are the worst kind of guest and you are putting jobs at risk. His complaints were echoed by others in the industry who also said they had issues with no-shows. Chief Executive of UK Hospitality Kate Nichols said behavior that was always unacceptable is now potentially ruinous. Nothing worse than a no-show and I just can't believe that people would make a reservation for a restaurant that's been closed for several months and not turn up. It is unacceptable. Meanwhile, in South Africa, the controversial ban on sales of alcohol was reimposed. President Cyril Ramaphosa said the decision was made to free up space in hospitals for those affected by COVID-19, adding that lifting the ban on alcohol, quote, has resulted in substantial pressure being put on hospitals, including trauma and ICU units, due to motor vehicle accidents, violence and related trauma. The decision was criticised by various industry bodies across South Africa, especially as it had been made without any warning or consultation. They argued that alcohol-related traumas and accidents were long-standing issues which the government had not properly addressed. And they also noted the economic impact of the ban, stating that 3.4 billion rand or, had been lost in taxes during the ban, as well as the risk of 18,000 jobs due to the ban. Well, more bad news for South Africa and their drinks industry. Um, I did see quite a few folks in the wine industry be quite vocal about uh, this ban and ha- you know, calling for support for South African wine. Uh, Jancis Robinson in her recent newsletter made this similar call. So there are a lot of people uh, trying to motivate drinkers to to support their industry when it needs it the most. Yep, I have no problem drinking more South African wine. None whatsoever. The U.S. government has released the list of goods that will be subject to 25% tariffs beginning in January of 2021, and to the relief of the wine industries on both sides of the pond, French wine has been left off the list. As reported previously on the pod, the U.S. first imposed tariffs on drinks including Scotch whiskey and wine, made in France, Germany, Spain, and the U.K. back in October 2019, in response to subsidies being given to Airbus over U.S. Boeing aircraft manufacturers. Then in December, the U.S. threatened 100% tariffs on French goods. While France and the U.S. came to a truce and halted tariffs through 2020, discussions about what will happen in 2021 continued, including a hearing which saw 37 witnesses provide testimonies, 
attended by multiple representatives from the U.S. wine trade, including Jeff Zakaria, director of the National Association of Wine Retailers and president of Zaki's Wine and Liquor Store and Zaki's Wine Auctions. He said, the bottom line is that proposed tariffs on wines will result in a devastating revenue loss for our members. Many of the National Association of Wine Retailers anticipate that they'll have to lay off up to 25% of their workforce due to declines in sales revenue from tariffs on sparkling wines from France and the other tariffs in place, leading to loss of thousands of jobs. So while this is good news for the wine business, tariff reviews in the U.S. are still ongoing, with beer, gin, and vodka made from France, Germany, Spain, and the U.K. still on the table. So it sounds like good news. That's incredibly complicated, all these tariffs discussions. And this is not just about wine, it's about all sorts of products. So there are products which will be um, um, subject to tariffs not just in the drinks business, but in other industries. And we know that the US government is quite volatile right now, so you don't know what's going to happen next. And it makes it all very nervy for importers and distributors who just don't know what wine's going to come in, when it's going to come in, and what it's going to cost. Yes, and for the wine industry, you know, they, I think we had accepted the 25% tariff increase and were even fearing the 100%. So the fact that there will be no tariffs on French wine is, is a big win. Hopefully, uh, good things will come for other drink sectors. And yet again, we report on another celebrity wine brand, this time coming from Cameron Diaz, in collaboration with US fashion entrepreneur Catherine Power. It's called Aveline, and there are two wines in the range, a Spanish white and a French rosé. Besides the celebrity appeal, the marketing angle is that it's made from organic grapes and is transparently labelled. The back label simply states, made with organic grapes, free from added sugar, artificial colours, concentrates, vegan friendly. Which isn't particularly transparent about what goes into the wine or how it's made, but it is some information. The white is made from Macabeo, Malvasia and Chiarello, while the rosé, labelled Vin de France, comes from Provence and is made from Sanso, Grenache, Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah and Caladoc. Both wines for re- retail for $24. And Katie, this is all about the marketing, I think. Indeed. Diaz's promotion is all based around the grapes being organically farmed, which she sees as being unique, even though it's not that rare for a $25 bottle of wine. And also about transparency, knowing what's in the wine, even though there isn't that inf- much information. Not even where the wines are from, other than Spain and France as country designations. Right, and I was reading um, about this new project of Cameroon Diaz, and it's just like, you know, these are organically farmed grapes, it's all about place, it's unique, no one else is doing this, and then you look at the bottle and it just says Wine of Spain, and Van de France, and you're like, well, where's it from? And it doesn't actually have the grape varieties on the label either. That's why I think it's more about marketing than substance. And, and someone I follow on Twitter, uh, called Sarah Phillips, who works at Florida Wine Academy, spotted the rosé in Whole Foods, on sale for $18, so even though it's only just been released, it's on sale already, and so she bought a bottle. Her conclusion was that it was worth 10 or $12, and that it was fine, and that it's grassy, taste of lemons, has moderate acidity, and quite a short and sour finish. Her husband's verdict, can't believe that's what it costs, garbage. It's harsh. Intrigued by these comments, I went to Whole Foods this week, but fortunately or unfortunately, I couldn't find it. <laughs> Boulanger have added a new wine to their portfolio for the first time since 2008, 
100% Pinot Noir. It's their only Blanc de Noir besides the iconic Vie Vine Francaise. It's called VZ15, as the base wine is 2015 Pinot Noir from the Grand Cru village of Verzenay, with reserve wines aged in magnums from 2009 and 2010, and coming from other villages, Ai, Bouzy, and Tossier. The majority of Bollinger's 178 hectares are to Pinot Noir, so the winemaking team had plenty of wines to work with to come up with the final blend, which will change each year. The aim is to reflect the terroir of Pinot Noir and Champagne. It will be released annually and is designed to be affordable, if you judge $120 a bottle as affordable, and widely available so consumers actually get to drink it. Anne Creeble of The Buyer concluded, It is a joyous, even hedonistic champagne that shows the inherent richness, grace, and structure of Pinot Noir. Can't wait. Sounds tasty. It certainly does. I can't wait either. Meanwhile, Spanish producer Familia Torres are to release a new Alborino, aged in granite eggs under their label Paso Torres Penelas. The inspiration for this unique vessel is the granite soils of Rioche Baixas, where the grapes are grown. Granite used to be traditionally used in Galicia until the arrival of stainless steel, and Torres wanted to experiment with the rock to present a truly local expression of the area, especially as a lot of uh, buildings in Galicia are made from granite. The granite maintains naturally cool temperatures for fermentation and aging, and, we are told, preserves more of the salinity of Albarino, another wine we look forward to tasting when it's released. Probably my favourite story of the past couple of weeks. This is quite bizarre, and it comes from the UK, where a man in Buckinghamshire was fined for drinking carrot juice. Shop owner Alex Snowball, a 33-year-old teetotaler, poured the carrot juice into a Foster's can and then drank from it in a no-alcohol zone to test the police's monitoring of the area and the enforcement of the law. Turns out, they were monitoring the area too well for Snowball, as they promptly fined him 60 pounds despite his protestation and demonstration that he was not drinking alcohol but carrot juice. Refusing to pay the fine, he was taken to court where he was found not guilty despite being deliberately awkward with the police. However, that verdict was overturned on appeal as the judge deemed he didn't have to be drinking alcohol for his behavior to be considered antisocial. He was ordered to pay the council's legal fees, which amount to around 8,000 pounds. That's an expensive can of carrot juice, isn't it? I would have just gone with the 60 pounds they originally fined. Yes, he seems to have a very strong principle and he's had um, problems with the police before. Um not approving of their behaviour. So I think he was trying to make a point, not just about alcohol, but about the police. And he seems to have come off far the worse. But he'll have good eyesight with all that carrot juice. And now for our wine of the week, which is Katie. Ochota Barrels Texture Like Sun Sector Red 2019 from Adelaide Hills in South Australia. And what do we have here, Katie? This um, label doesn't tell us too much apart from the fact that it's from Australia and Adelaide Hills. Well, it's a blend, to say the least. Uh, deep breath, Pinot Noir, Movedra, Grenache, Gewürztraminer, Meunier, Gamay, Riesling, Fragola, and Chardonnay. I think we can safely say we've never tried a wine like this before. Some of those grapes we didn't even know were planted in Australia. And most of these grapes are never blended. Quite. Black and white grape varieties. Fragola 
Italian variety, and then Gewürztraminer. Who would put Gewürztraminer into any wine? I have no idea. But anyway, this weird Maverick blend uh, definitely works. The The blend is a talking point, but this isn't about picking out the aromas of each variety. It's about the final product, and it's extremely youthful. Uh, we tried the 2019, uh, really fresh and vibrant, and I had I blind tasted this, and I got maybe two of the grape varieties correct. Yes, you mentioned Pinot Noir and Gamay. I remember that. I think you mentioned Grenache as well. So Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you didn't mention the Gewürztraminer. Oddly <laughs> enough. It's uh, pale in color, light-bodied, crunchy, and juicy, and it's got really nice te- texture to it. Uh, this isn't just an easy, fruity red, but I would suggest drinking it chilled. Uh, it was great on a warm summer day, so act now while it's in season. Yeah, it's $40. And those grape varieties aren't actually mentioned on the labels. They don't make a big deal of it and kind of market it as being this quirky blend. You just have to go to the website or the distributor's website to find out. And so it is just what it is. It's a kind of a Beaujolais Loire-style red, which is really fresh and fruity and um, just that beautiful texture to it. And it's called Texture Like Sun, and I think that's a very appropriate name for the wine. Cheers to that! So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gone. Join us next week for another Wind Up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!